0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. I'm Ben, and you're listening to the Sound Logic Podcast.
1: This is Mike. Each episode, we discuss one of music's greatest albums from Rolling Stone Magazine's Top 500 list.
0: Brought to you by two guys with no credentials.
1: Welcome back, everyone. In this episode, we're talking about album number 35 on Rolling Stone's Top 500 Albums list. The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars by David Bowie. I can't believe we're 35 records into this list and we're just getting to David Bowie now. I mean, it's true. It seems like such a prolific uh, musician and character and icon, but Maybe his albums weren't as prolific as some of the other albums we talked about, but I'm glad I'm glad we're talking about it. Uh, mm-hmm. Ben, had you listened to this album before we started this project?
0: No, and Bowie has been a, a character that I have been a little intimidated by. Mm. I think sort of my first. I want you to
1: unpack that a
0: bit. <laughs> yeah, um, he he's always seemed kind of cooler than I know what to do with. Okay. Oh wow. Uh especially as a younger person, I think an early Bowie memory for me was watching the movie Mr. Deeds. I think there's a moment in that movie where Adam Sandler sings Space oh. Oddity and um I I was too young and naive at that point to know that this was a real song from something else. Uh, and so, you know, I I probably looked it up somehow and realized, "Oh my goodness, it's a Song by a guy named David Bowie, and, and I was like, oh, but where where do I begin? There's all these weirdly titled albums, <laughs> and I think that has happened to me several times. Not always the Adam Sandler connection, but like I'll hear a song and I'll think, oh, who is this? Oh, it's David Bowie. No way, this is him too. Oh, where's it from? Oh, that's not an album I've ever heard of. Um, and I and I kind of go in this vicious cycle of like, where do I plug in? Uh, the most recent of those experiences was on a, uh, a spring break service trip that I took some students on a few years ago. We were uh, doing some cleanup and rebuilding after the uh, hurricane that had really impacted huge parts of Houston, Texas. And we're I was in a, a room with a little USB speaker painting some walls with a student. And uh, I think we just had it on like a random... Uh, Pandora station and and a Bowie track came on and the student was like oh I love Bowie I was like yeah I kind of do too you know kind of like not (laughs) wanting to betray how little I actually know about the guy and I was like where do I begin and I think this says something about the, the college student generation right now like I have no idea I just like pick a Bowie station on on Pandora and listen. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> that didn't really that didn't really help me at all either. But so when I saw you know this album came up uh, at number thirty five, I was like, oh, finally I get sort of an excuse to pinpoint mm-hmm. the area to start my Bowie listening. That's a lot. That's a lot of rambling for basically saying this is new to me. <laughs> but what about you? Um, uh, where's it begun for for you? Where are you on the yeah. on the journey of discovery for Bowie?
1: Yeah, I have some memories of Bowie too. Uh, growing up, I think a little younger, and the influence there is my dad. My dad—I um, I know I've said this before—but um, when my dad moved out on his own, um, he no longer had a, a music collection of his own, so he started building a music collection again and uh, bought a CD player. Which this was the early '90s, so CDs were still a new thing, and uh, we had a—I think had a subscription to Columbia House. You get all the CDs and mail in those little stickers so he started building his collection and a lot of it was stuff that he grew up with and one thing that he had was a david bowie compilation album called changes which is the name of one of david bowie's very famous songs but this whole album was called changes and it was like a greatest hits and one of the ones i remember very vividly is that one you mentioned that was in mr D's D's space oddity uh ground control mm. to major tom i remember my dad singing that with such you know he could have been like a thea- <laughs> a theater actor like just because re- it's really such a a unique narrative that's one of, and that was my introduction i listened to that a lot so much that i believe um he copied the cd onto a tape cassette for me so that i could take it home um when i wasn't visiting his place on the weekends. And I was able to listen to that at home. And And then when I got a little older, had a Walkman and could listen to that in my Walkman. I listened to that a lot. And I lent it out to a friend. It might've been you, or it might've been one of the other friends. And I remember getting it back. How did you like it? And I believe the comment from whoever it was, was it's okay. It's kind of weird. <laughs> and, <laughs> and And at first I was kind of like, like you're disappointed when your friend doesn't like the thing that you like. But then I kind of reflected on it a bit and thought, yeah, it is a little weird. <laughs> like, that. yeah, it's the right, way, right. The way he sang was weird. Um, and mm-hmm. if we had just listened to some other rock, you know, rock and roll from the 60s and 70s, as we we're growing up and trying to figure out what music is and where it all fits, because you're, you know, you're new when you're a kid in the early 90s. And all of a sudden you realize that there's you know, 50 years of rock and roll that came before this I'd have to put it all together. And David Bowie for me was probably introduced a lot earlier than it would be to other people. Cause it was a little weird, uh, but my dad was into it. So I was into it and I really liked it. I still really yeah. like David Bowie. And uh, that being said, I had not listened to this album in entirety before, though I knew a lot of the tracks and I certainly knew the name, you know, Ziggy Stardust and the spiders from Mars. Uh, but had listened to it, um, and uh, I really enjoyed it. We'll get into how much I enjoyed it. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, it strikes you. I mean, you're right that maybe had we known more about this era, we might have had more of an appreciation for it back then. But I think he's distinct enough, kind of like when we were reviewing um, the band's uh, iconic music from from Big Pink, um they don't sound like anyone else no uh, you can hear you can hear little bits and pieces of other things and i think bowie's kind of like that he's drawing on a lot of different stuff but he's also very specifically bowie and making it his own
1: so unique yeah he was unique in his music and was creating his whole persona that was so unique his look and his image and his dress mm. mm-hmm. you know and his um his androgynous look that was very new um it really set him set him apart and i don't think you can get away with that if your music's not good
0: i think that's right
1: um because then you're just another you're another blip his his and i don't say get away with that in saying that it was wrong or there any was anything negative in what he was doing that's not what i'm saying what i'm saying was it was very different and that doesn't always stick um and I think it did stick. And one of the reasons, because these songs are, some of them, just so good and have really stuck with people. I mean, we hear Ziggy, you hear Ziggy all the time, I think, on the radio. Um, mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, yeah, not familiar with the album, but very familiar with uh, some of David Bowie's biggest hits.
0: Are we ready for
1: some details? I think it's time. Details, 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 details. In the essence of just time efficiency, we'll just call this Ziggy Stardust. Is that okay with you? I like that. Okay, or even Ziggy. So Ziggy <laughs> Ziggy was released on June 16th, 1972, and this was David Bowie's fifth studio album. Um, and before we get into that, I just want to say something real quick. Do you know that David Bowie and I have the same name? Uh no let me explain (laughs) you probably know half of it yes oh which half do you know
0: (laughs) so uh, my understanding was his name was david jones that's right but that's not your name or not your full name well
1: that's my david is my middle name so uh so we do share that that uh if you took away my first name that we have the same name because, um, ah, okay. do you, uh, that makes more sense. Yeah, <laughs> It's pretty close, right? <laughs> Michael David Jones. Really? That's his name. No, <laughs> David, David Jones. He did. But do you know why he changed his name?
0: So I've seen this really funny Conan O'Brien, uh, clip of him talking about this. Oh, I didn't know this. Right. He says that he, he changed it from David, jones
1: yeah well i haven't seen the conan clip but what i've heard is that he changed it because of the popularity of the monkeys featuring davy jones and didn't feel he could compete with that and thought that he would just he would just disappear because there was already a a david jones so he changed his last Mm -hmm. name to bowie but that's what i know
0: i think he i think he draws it out and i don't know how much truth there is in this. You can cut all this if you want. But I think he says, so I switched it to Tom Jones and then Tom Jones released his <laughs> album. And I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then That's Conan funny. makes a joke about, and then you switched it to Elvis or something like. Something completely, completely <laughs> that really sounds
1: really like awesome. a very Conan thing to say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah But I, I find it a little ironical that he thought, you know, Davy Jones was so much more popular at the time. I'm sure it was true, you know, in the late sixties, but as we look at the last kind of 40 years, I think it's pretty safe to say that David Bowie rised above the level of fame that the monkeys had, Um, even even though they were very popular. I think mostly I will say that that their career was much more short lived than the illustrious career of David Bowie, Mm. which he Mm -hmm. was releasing music up until pretty much the day he died um, because he had an album come out right around that time uh Mm -hmm. so anyways i just wanted to just uh just share that with you just another uh we don't have a whole lot of coincidences with the artists we talk about so i feel like it's important to uh exploit those when we have them
0: And his given name is uh, Robert David Jones, which uh, Robert is my middle name. So really, it's it's both of us who share a name with. uh...
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you you do share one name. We'll just
0: smash it all in there. Uh,
1: Robert's my dad's middle name, so can I take that? There, there we go. Okay. (laughs) Anyways, okay, so all the tracks were written by. David Bowie, except for "It Ain't Easy," written by Ron Davies. Uh, this peaked at number five in the UK and only number seventy-five in the US, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, as a British icon, he's always been way up there. Maybe long before he was really a huge icon in the US, but don't uh, don't quote me on that. It has sold, to date, uh, seven and a half million copies. Not too shabby. As some of these stars have done, and and David Bowie did a few, had a few, over his career, had a few different alter egos, but this was uh, one of his first alter egos as Ziggy Stardust, um, who is kind of labeled as a fictional androgynous bisexual rock star who acts as a messenger for extraterrestrial beings. Is, is Is he an alien? Is he supposed to be an alien himself? I think so. Think he, yeah, is yeah. do you think that? And we're we'll get into this. Do you think that's how he kind of gets away with saying, "Well, the character, the character is bisexual."
0: I think so. Yeah, I think he is able to sort of personify uh, something as sort of an act at, at a time when you know it wasn't necessarily. Okay, for a rock star to say they were bisexual or gay yeah. or something like that, you could come out on stage, sort of with hair and makeup and sure. you know, outlandish outfits, and say, "I'm Ziggy," and and I'm guessing as sort of performance art, get away with more than if he had come out and said, "I'm David Bowie, who's a bisexual uh, rock superstar."
1: <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah i i I think I think there's a lot of truth to that. As much as I'm certainly not an expert on, you know, issues of sexuality in the 60s and 70s, uh, mm-hmm. I think that's pretty safe to say that it might not have been as accepted. Um, can I say this? Can I? I feel like in the fashion scene in London, it would have been more accepted than maybe in the rock scene in the U.S.
0: Well, I think, didn't we touch on this just very briefly when we talked about the Ramones? Um mm. that you know, they yeah. were they were kind of pushing at fashion, kind of going yeah. back to more of a blue collar look. Uh Bowie's clearly pushing at fashion in a different way, but it's like going to the extreme. Like this is clearly not something that that his fans would then be wearing around to their day job, right? Um he, yeah. he's pushing in a kind of different direction than than the punk scene with some similar kind of attitude and some similar kind of like pushing back against uh, monoculture or, or pop culture or something like that, but in a, in a sort of more flamboyant outlandish
1: way. On his previous album cover is a picture of him with like ble- bleach blonde, long hair, almost a, a very feminine look. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think he's, he's pushing. And then the album, That does appear on the list later on that comes after this is Aladdin Sane, which has that iconic pink lightning bolt, you know, with Mm -hmm. the kind of red mullet sort of style, which is like, unless you live under a rock, you see that anybody dressed like that and you know, it's, it can't be anyone else. Yep. I mean, no one else had a red lightning bolt on their face. Maybe Harry Potter, but that right. comes a lot later. Um, uh,
0: the character uh, is also another sort of persona. Um, Aladdin Sane is yes. uh, he he has to create that in order to escape Ziggy. Um, oh, really? There, there there are interviews with Bowie where he says like he would become so wrapped up in these characters that he couldn't move forward, um, huh. and so sort of uh, iconically, he he kills off um ziggy stardust at the last show of this tour and says uh, and says he he has died he's dead um they play the final track on the album which is rock and roll suicide so fittingly um and then (laughs) and then it, it never happens again and and you know from the next album on he's he's a lot insane and he develops other uh personifications um with later albums that, that come after that as well it, and so it, in some ways he becomes these these characters at least become these times time capsules where you can mm. kind of point to oh man when uh when i heard bowie in the early 70s he was ziggy stardust or when i right. heard him at this point he was this other uh kind sure. of person and yeah. Uh, yeah kind of like pigeonholes in some ways uh who he was but it was uh, it sounds a lot like a character actor. Like I've heard people talk about working with Jim Carrey, that he gets so far into the character he's portraying that he's almost impossible to work with off set um, because he, right. he, he has no ability to switch it off until the filming is done. <laughs> oh, man. And, and it sounds wow. similar to, to the musical performance of, of David Bowie. Uh,
1: did you mention as well here at that last show, not only did he kind of retire the character, but he fired the whole band?
0: yeah so there's some there's some discrepancy i guess about the why of the death of ziggy stardust i think okay. bowie has maintained um or he maintained until his death i guess that it was mostly about like escaping the character sure but there were some some contract issues with the spiders oh, from okay. mars which was right. the name of the backing band and yeah and so when he announced we're done some people took that as like okay the character's done some people took it as oh man this band is breaking up. Uh, some people took it as, oh, Bowie's done. He's never performing again. Um, <laughs> and, and so several of those things did occur. Uh, he, he never played again with the spiders from, from Mars. Uh, it's, so essentially it was a way to dismiss them. Um, but whether that was to escape the character or because of this contract dispute or, or some other reason, I guess we'll never know for sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was a pivotal last final show that, that signified the death of more things than just Ziggy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting. I love the uh, I love when we get into some of the lore of uh, yeah. <laughs> these albums. You know the stories. Yeah, having
0: um, I'm sure we'll touch on space themes uh, throughout this episode, but that name, the Spiders from Mars, is a reference to uh, an alleged UFO sighting that was oh. um, apparently actually just some migrating a migrating mass of spiders the way that they flew through the air so in the moonlight they looked like a ufo people were calling in to the authorities to say like i just saw a ufo i just saw a ufo when someone went out to to sort of figure out what was going on it was just spiders migrating and bowie loved that story and was like oh yeah that's a great name and um maybe they are uh both maybe it's a ufo made up of spiders. So so (laughs) they get the sort of spiders from Mars um, as a way to sort of like draw that all together. And and that becomes the name then of the backing band.
1: Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Do you want to talk about this really cool album cover? Yeah.
0: Oh man. I had assumed that it was a painting.
1: Me too. I thought it was a drawing.
0: It's kind of washed out, but apparently it's a photograph.
1: That's a really cool photograph.
0: Yeah. Right out front of uh, Kanye and Kim's place.
1: (laughs) I thought maybe it was in Toronto and on King West. Oh. (laughs) I'm sure there's the King Street in every city in the world, though.
0: For those who haven't seen it, um, it's a little marquee that says K West. Um, Fans thought it was some sort of allusion to a quest they had to go on uh, west
1: yeah yeah um but <laughs>
0: sadly it's just a tailor or something like that um,
1: a, a a furrier
0: a furrier would that be a uh fur coats and things like that
1: i guess I so a furrier is uh, 23 head on street h e d d o n not like a head on collision um uh, okay so again, a real place you can go to. Although I googled mm-hmm. it, I googled Street View, and it it looks very different. I don't think it's the
0: same, right? Anymore. Yeah, without the without the sign there. Um, I have yeah. seen some, some today pictures with the same street lamp. Um, okay, I guess that still exists there. Sure. And the back the back cover is Bowie trapped in a phone booth. And I've I've read that, oh wow. that Street has added. Uh, even though it wasn't there when the photo was taken that street has added an iconic london red phone booth um sort of as a symbol of that album cover there so you can go and you can see the actual space where he shot this uh album cover and then you can climb into the photo booth and recreate the back cover if you want to do both the same in the same day trip yeah
1: that's neat and so um and again, I just I just want to talk about what you can see him better in the back. Mm, yeah. Ziggy Stardust being this blonde character. I think I still to this day imagine Ziggy Stardust as the with the the lightning bolt on the face. And I think mm-hmm. people get those confused a lot where that's the Aladdin saying character. Yes. Um, but uh, Ziggy Stardust is more of this blonde, very tall, almost model like. Yep fair to say um and even some of the poses uh he's at the door you know kind of i think that's maybe on the inner cover with his arms stretched out in the door frame oh so cool yeah
0: the blue the blue sort of jumpsuit does sort of indicate i don't know some kind of it it looks like a space suit too doesn't it
1: sure yeah i could definitely see that oh that's so neat
0: or, or wow. maybe not a spacesuit, but like something from the Jetsons or something. Like a, imagining right. a future space world. <laughs> sure.
1: And again, very like just so you know, in a seventies way, very futuristic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, cool. Uh, and and the back of the album says uh, to be played at maximum volume. Yes. <laughs> uh, turn it up to eleven. <laughs>
0: When we had uh, Joel Widener on the show for the Springsteen review, he was talking about an album that said, play it at full volume or something like that. Was it this one or was he referencing something else? Uh,
1: I don't remember. I I can't remember. Um, I do know that um, at the very beginning of the film, The Last Waltz by featuring the band, uh, it comes up in huge letters on the screen uh, this film is meant to be played loud. <laughs> oh, cool! Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, we just talked about the band last week. So that that this re- that phrase reminds me of that too. It's like, yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. cool, 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 cool. Track listing. You ready? I hope so. Uh, side one starts with five years. Soul love. Stone love, she kneels before the grave moon age daydream. I'm an alligator, I'm a mama papa, coming for you. Starman is a star man. It ain't easy. It ain't easy. It ain't easy. It ain't easy and then side two is Lady Stardust. Lady Stardust sang
0: songs of darkness
1: and disgrace, and the was all star. Hang on to yourself. On, Ziggy Stardust. Now Ziggy Guitar. Jamming good with weather and gilly and the spiders from Mars, Suffragette City. Oh, I'll be, I'll be there, cause you can't the Back from City. Oh, Album closes out with Rock and Roll Suicide. Oh, ho, 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 you're a rock and roll suicide. This has come up many times. Is this a concept album? Feels like it.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think <laughs> we've got a character here um, centered on Ziggy, you know, a space theme throughout. Um, and I think yeah. even Bowie oh, yeah. admitted this was... Uh, this was an attempt at a rock opera. Uh, mm. he, mm-hmm. he talks in some of his older interviews about like wanting to be a uh, theatrical producer and okay. realizing that he couldn't write dialogue. And that's sort of the, oh. the pivot that, that then pushes him into being a rock star like oh well I can do rock opera and then I don't have to write any words <laughs> <laughs> so you end up getting these like beautiful concept albums I think partially because that's his first love he really you know he had imagined himself from a young age as being the, the theater um, sure. producer not the, not the rock star
1: certainly had a a flair for the theatrics i think so that's for sure um yeah i just i was struck i mean the word star is in the titles of four of the songs (laughs) and yeah um and just these themes of space and space exploration i i was just so i guess surprised i guess i didn't know the album was just so full of that um super cool there's a couple of songs that are deeper tracks that I wasn't as familiar with until later on in life. So I wanna take you through a bit of a journey as to me hearing stuff from this album <laughs> through time. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. familiar with I was familiar with Ziggy Stardust and Suffragette City because of the changes compilation album I had. And those are big songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in the early two thousands, a movie came out by Wes Anderson, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou. Ooh. starring bill murray have you seen this movie love it a recurring theme in the movie is one of their crew members on the boat uh constantly plays uh, acoustic almost flamenco flamenco style david bowie songs which he sings in portuguese
0: <laughs> oh yeah oh man it's been too long
1: and, and he plays a, a quite a lot of them and i think hearing you respond to it that way when i first saw the movie i didn't realize they were all bowie songs but yeah. some of them i knew i was like wait is every one of those and every one they're all bowie songs that he does no
0: way so <laughs>
1: he'll <laughs> just be you know <laughs> there'll just be a shot of them cruising through the ocean and he's just sitting on deck uh in the middle of the movie playing a bowie song uh, picking away on the guitar singing in portuguese <laughs> so that is just wow. uh and the the song uh Or the movie ends, I believe, with the song uh, Queen Bitch, uh, which is not on this album. But anyways, that was the first time I kind of realized there's more Bowie out there. And then um, uh, you may have seen the movie uh, The Martian featuring Matt Damon. Um,
0: I have not seen the movie. I've read the book, but I've not seen the movie.
1: It's a great film, and it (laughs) closes with the song Starman. And I oh. think when I heard it, I thought, that sounds like Bowie. And sure enough, it's a, it's a Bowie song from this album. Uh, very fitting uh, for that movie. And then more recently, um, and one that my kids are really into, is Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 1, uh, which features Moon Age Daydream. Of course, the soundtrack is all songs from the 70s because... The main character star lord peter quill has a tape that his mom gave to him which was all her favorite songs from the 70s uh and one of them is moon H drink by david bowie huh. uh, which uh he plays on his spaceship as they're flying through the air along with all these other cool 70s tracks so that was oh, another cool. i was like what, hang on that's a david bowie song too <laughs> they're all on this album <laughs> and that's uh that's kind of uh, it's happened a few other times, I think, too, listening to uh, Joni Mitchell's Blue and also songs from Big Pink going, wait, all these songs that I know from this artist are all on this one album. Uh, same with uh, like uh, Fleetwood Max Rumors. You know, until I listened to this album and other albums, I knew some of those songs, but I hadn't realized they're all on that one album you hear songs by an artist on the radio frequently multiple songs you assume that they're from different parts of their career nobody mm-hmm. has that many hits on one album but um just, yeah. this is was one of the albums that i was like man all these cool songs are on this album so anyways those are ones that kind of jump out of my mind and those yeah. are i think i think Starman is one of my favorite i love the uh i love the way he sings Starman. he really yeah. he really shows off his vocal there Anyways, that was a lot of rambling from me. What about you? <laughs> Side
0: note, have we talked about Guardians of the Galaxy before on this podcast? All uh, that sounded I'm, really I'm familiar. Sure
1: it's, I'm sure it's come up. Because um,
0: there's a different song. I haven't seen any of the movies, but the second movie, he has a different song in his tape player, doesn't mm-hmm. he? Also from his mom.
1: The very end of the first movie, he opens up the gift that his mom gave to him on her deathbed. Um, and he handed it to her. He puts it in his backpack, and then he gets abducted uh, just after. He goes outside to kind of in anger to cry because his mom has passed away, and then he gets abducted. Uh, but he doesn't open the gift. He uh, he saves it, and it's at the end of the the first film that he does open it up, and it's volume two of the awesome mix. So that becomes the soundtrack to the second film,
0: uh,
1: which is, again, a lot of the same. Why do you know, I know uh, that?
0: Why... We must have talked. Maybe it was a different conversation. Some other.
1: Uh,
0: You know what? We had a guy staying with us, a friend of mine, um, (laughs) who was really in. It was he was staying with us right as the final movie was coming out this summer, and we were talking through some things.
1: Oh yes, we talked. We talked about um, the chain, which is on the Uh, volume two soundtrack, and and I mentioned mentioned it because. yeah and and i mentioned that in that conversation with sophia that um they featured that song in the the kind of the first big trailer that came out and also they they blend that song into the kind of the big fight scene at the end they blend it into the soundtrack uh or the orchestral yes which is really really cool so yes that was the the other (laughs) song that we've talked about
0: Yeah, so for an album that I've never spent any time with, I also felt a lot of familiarity here. Um, I I have in my notes that um, there's a lot of different sounds being drawn in. I think Lady Stardust sounds like it could be something that Billy Joel wrote or one of those more (laughs) melodic um, piano rockers. Uh, Hang On To Yourself, on the other hand, is more like The Clash or something with a bit more of a punk edge and and suffragette city could be a stone song like it's it's sort of four four timing and
1: kind of ah. rocking
0: um and and it's fascinating because it shows that there's a lot of diversity even though this this album sounds cohesive and held together well it goes in these sort of Mm -hmm. like genre tangents at times that i find really fascinating um but, but you know, even in the midst of all that, it's all still clearly Bowie. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. I love that you said that about Suffragette City, because I think about that almost every time, that it sounds like Mick, parts of it. Mm. Like, hey, man. Hmm. You know, it, it's, it sounds yeah. like he do, it's almost doing a Mick Jagger impersonation. And, and just the way that song is done, I love it. And that's definitely one of my favorite songs in this album, and one of my favorite Bowie songs. It's, it's a super fun song.
0: um, Before we move on from that one track specifically, I have never known what he was actually saying there. Uh, Suffragette City makes sense, but it just gets said quickly. And I wasn't sure if it was like uh, (laughs) something you can see me or I I don't know. I wasn't sure what it's stuff in the city or, you know, (laughs) I I had no idea. And so I went to my favorite um, misheard lyric site, um, KissThisGuy.com, which uh, is based off the <laughs> Hendrix lyric. And there's there's hundreds and hundreds of ideas of what people thought uh, that refrain is actually saying. Um, which gets me to another point that we've talked about a couple of times. I think a weakness that both of us have is that we don't really spend too much time thinking through what the lyrics of songs actually are saying. No, and and i think. for that. It's hard for me to really dig too deep into a concept album like this that is telling a story, because I I'm enjoying the music maybe more than I sh- should, or or for some reason the, the lyrics here don't strike me as as important as they probably are to the person performing this sort of rock opera. Um, so so this album is known as like uh, pushing. Uh, pushing fashion, pushing gender identity, pushing sexuality, pushing uh, mm. lots of different themes. Yes. And I just, I don't get it. I, I I know it's there because people are saying it's there, but I'm hearing sort of the, the orchestration of the musical sounds. And I think I'm missing the forest for the trees at times, or maybe it's, it's vice versa. Maybe I'm missing the trees because I'm gazing at the forest. Um, something's going on here that... Uh, that makes it tricky for me to hear the way that people hold this up in high regard uh, beyond Mm. it's, it's musical genius. And I, I don't know, do you, do you feel the same way as someone who's also struggles with lyrics?
1: I heard a lot of the references to kind of sexuality and kind of bending the lines of, of gender roles and gender identity. And maybe that's just coming from, An age of more awareness in, you know, the end of the second decade of the 21st century. I was kind of hearing that with different ears. But I think even back then, there was a lot of those themes in there. And I'm hearing that in this listen through. Um, I'm with you. I'm not really a lyrics guy. And when I listen to stuff for Get City, I probably don't pick up on 70% of it. (laughs) Because it is very uh, Jagger-esque. Like, I really don't know. But, but, I, but I heard a lot of that. There's one track, it's called Lady Stardust, but he's talking about a man. I heard this, and and I thought, you know, this is, I, I don't feel like everybody was talking about this, and, and maybe we're reading too much into it, but given kind of his history, I don't know that we are, but um, Lady Stardust uh, starts like this, people stared at the makeup on his face, laughed at his long black hair, his animal grace, the boy in the bright blue jeans jumped up on the stage and Lady Stardust sang his songs of darkness and disgrace so what does that sound like to you <laughs> you know like uh, I think it it's it's a narrative of uh, either someone struggling with g- gender identity or someone struggling with trying to be their true self or theatrical or something that was not accepted yeah. um, they laughed at him his songs were of disgrace. Um. Uh, but he was all right, and the band was all together, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was awful nice, really quite out of sight. And and he talks into East Stardust about about his appearance and how attractive he is, right? Uh, and he sang all night long, and the femme fatales emerged from the shadows. You know, you can imagine what kind of characters those might have been uh, mm-hmm. in the London scene, right? Real real people. To watch this creature, boys stood up on their chairs to make their point of view. I smiled sadly for a love I could not obey. Lady Stardust sang his songs of darkness and dismay. Like, ah, it's really good, but yeah. it's like, it's, I think, and again, I'm speaking out of my element. It's very profound in this era. We talked, I think you and I touched on maybe off air that this is, you know, at the beginning or perhaps in the midst of the sexual revolution where mm-hmm. everything's kind of just wide out in the open. Um, people are. Becoming more comfortable with different ideas of identifying uh, with each other, exploring sexually, which obviously happened a lot in the 60s, but I think was a little different here. But, anyways, mm-hmm. I don't want to talk too much about it because, again, I feel like I'm not, I'm kind of out of my element in just understanding how it goes down. But I really, really hear a lot of that through this album. I think that through the years, um, Bowie was an icon in the, even before it was called the LGBTQ community, was an icon for the gay community um uh in kind of showing your colors yeah that's that's yeah. all I'm about. that's I just I just I think that's helpful I don't I, I don't I want think... to get in too deep but I just I just it was what was kind of hitting me listening to this that I hear yeah it's yeah. almost like the the space opera is a backdrop for him wanting to say some a lot of other things and I don't think that's the yes. only song I don't think that's the only song where he touches on these issues um no absolutely I'm not trying to make it more serious than it is. Because I don't think he was trying to make a profound political statement. I think he was just expressing his mm-hmm. experience and where he was and what he was seeing around him.
0: We've noticed this a couple of times in other artists too that that their prophetic voice is kind of hidden behind really spectacular musicality, and, sure. and it takes it takes a a true fan, I think, to bring this album home and to see it for more than just its radio hits. You know, you've got to open up the liner notes. Uh, sometimes just to get by Bowie's accent or, <laughs> or the way he's pronouncing certain words, to sort of get to the deeper meaning there,
1: yeah.
0: um, which is kind of brilliant. It probably meant that um, you know there there were some folks who might be more conservative or offended by uh, sure. some of what he's talking about that were willing to uh, to bring it home because it sounded good and uh, they were maybe willing to put up with his his uh, femininity and, and his appearance, because they liked the way the music uh, uh, made them feel. And and it sort of led them to a path of maybe a little bit, a nudge them towards a little bit more open-mindedness or, or empathy for something that's a little different. And, and I have to continue to appreciate that. Um, I think about my own journey to be a little bit more open-minded or understanding of others. And it, it wasn't because someone... Uh, you know, slammed a protest sign over my head. It was because people sort of patiently walked with me and subtly kind of mm-hmm. gave me some some advice that that took a while to sink in. <laughs> and, and probably because of music and, and other art that I was consuming, just because I liked it, not necessarily because I under, even understood what the message was that it was sending to me. So mm. um, I appreciate that about this concept album Um, that there's there's sort of more to it and I think you know I've only really spent a couple of weeks seriously listening to it I'm guessing over the next several years it'll it'll say more to me the more time I give to it as well
1: as you're saying that I'm almost so wondering too we've talked about him kind of expressing his experience and exposing things uh, kind of a different uh, culture maybe one thing that we're missing here is, is him giving a voice to a very, a growing group of people, uh, a group of people to even to this day, but certainly for in that time and many years, probably didn't feel like they had much of a voice or people who could relate to what they were going to going through. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and that is just, I appreciate that much more than I used to. And I really appreciate on this album that he was someone uh, not just in this album, but through his career, someone that not just the gay community, um, but people who were just different, who just felt different, um, mm-hmm. could, could really feel that they had a voice with this guy and could, uh, I'm sure there's always been people throughout the years who wanted to dress up different than other people who wanted to put on some makeup and do some crazy hair and just feel different, um, and this guy comes along and does it over the top, and I imagine yeah. there was a, a few people at home who went. Finally, I feel like I can be myself. You know, yeah, yep. that's really important, and we need more people like that today. Um, not in a negative or 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 you know, encouraging people to do negative things, but in terms of people just feeling free to be who they really are and not judging people because they're a little different these Absolutely. are these are messages that you know we're giving to our kids and that they're learning in school now um and so i think we need more artists like this and there's there's a lot out there today which is great but i think he was one of the first who was uh, who said uh it was all right.
0: I agree. Well, no, said. I didn't
1: think I didn't think I'd get up on the soapbox uh, too much, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. I, I just, I'm just finding, I'm just seeing the great value in this. And really, yeah. like I said, I'm not a lyrics guy. I don't, but I just, these things just kept coming through to me through these lyrics. Um, and I think for me, I'm the kind of person that you get through to me first with music. um, I'm probably not going to listen to a song more because I first heard the lyrics and really liked them. I'm going mm-hmm. to it cause it sound- I'm gonna listen to it because right. it sound. I'm going to listen because sounded good, and then I'm going to get into a lyric, and uh, which is is not great because you know there's some songs out there that maybe have wonderful lyrics uh, that I'm not paying attention to because I didn't like the music first. But anyways, that's just yeah. me. That's how I experience it. Uh, wow.
0: Do you have any more or should we dive into our favorite tracks? <laughs> no, I, feel, I feel kind of
1: drained, you know, it's just kind of, after that. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but it's good. And like, yeah, as a kid, I didn't understand that side of Bowie uh, because mm-hmm. I was, I was, I was too you know young and naive and, and, and that's okay. Like you, you know, you you shouldn't understand all those things when you're eight. Um, yeah. Yeah. But right. I never, I, it wasn't until I was, you know, a grown man that I look back and went, Oh yeah, like here's what, and there was a time in my life um, as a young adult when I would not have appreciated that side of it. And I would not mm-hmm. have accepted it as positive. Um, I'm glad that I can listen to it now and really appreciate it. Um, and as a kid, I just thought it was really cool music. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, his costumes were outrageous and I didn't even, Like, we had a compilation album. There's just a few pictures in there. I didn't know everything that he did or all the concerts that he did and all the costumes and personas he had. I just saw a few pictures and thought, well, that guy's different and and this music's cool. (laughs) He sings about space. (laughs) Like, that's awesome.
0: (laughs) What about tracks? Is there a a song that stands out in particular that you want to add to our uh, ongoing playlist?
1: Oh, (laughs) jeez.
0: Some good stuff here and, and different oh, stuff too. Like th- we could go in a lot of different directions.
1: I feel like I've said this many times, but how to pick just one. Do, do you have <laughs> one? Do you have one? Maybe that would help me pick one. If you picked one,
0: Uh Starman is my top choice. I would have yeah. a second. Oh. If that's
1: yours. Oh, there's two more. I want to pick. Okay. But I'll pick one. <laughs> Cause I'm a slave to the rules. I think I got to go with Ziggy.
0: Okay, that was my um, second choice too. Perfect.
1: Starman was one that I really, really like and kind of wanted. I love his vocal performance on that song. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had to pick a third, it would have been Suffragette City, which is okay. just a really cool sound. Um, but yeah, I like Starman and Ziggy. That's good. Awesome. Uh, I got to get the titular track on the. I guess on so. The playlist, right? <laughs> well, yeah. If it's good.
0: We we didn't mention up front, but uh, Starman. And rock and roll suicide were the two singles from this album.
1: Those are the singles. City,
0: yeah, suffragette city was uh, part of the Starman single, so I don't know if it was like the B side or.
1: Wow.
0: Um, oh, yeah. that's
1: interesting. Rock and roll suicide. And yeah. That's like a slower, prov-
0: darker closeout. Yeah,
1: song. and and what a provocative song for a mm-hmm. single. Like, whoa, that's yeah. risque. You know, like we, like, it, it would be. Edgy to release that today, but in the seventies, like you know, you don't talk about that. Even I think many places today, like we, that's dark. We don't uh, we don't talk about that. (laughs) You know, huh? Interesting. A concept album
0: from a alien. Does that does that feel (laughs) does that feel relevant uh, for for our time today? Um, yeah, heck yeah. Them, thematically, I mean, I mean, some of the stuff it's tackling seems ultra-relevant in sort of our raised awareness about uh, non-conforming sexual and gender identity. Uh, sure. I think, th- yeah, so thematically, I think it works really well. The The sound is diverse enough that I think it'd be hard to say it doesn't sound relevant because there's so many different things going on. I don't think we we sort of... We sort of gotten away from the rock opera style of albums Mm -hmm. maybe because we just don't consume albums in the same way anymore I think it's a whole lot harder to sort of sell you know a story (laughs) that people have to listen to uh, 11 tracks to get the full picture
1: I, I don't know if I've said this about an album yet but for this one I felt that the mix sounded dated like the the way that it was mixed does that do you know what i mean Mm, yeah not necessarily the vocal or the guitar some of the guitar sounds but the mix to me sounded a little dated like oh yeah this is a 70s rock album um but aside from that uh very relevant the tunes like ziggy i feel like i hear all the time even suffragette city uh, has almost yeah like a stones almost a ramon sound like almost a punk sound at times um and my and I forgot to mention before, but I'll say it now. I was listening to this album, uh, with my son, and uh, he got quite a giggle out of uh, "Wham Bam." Thank you, ma'am. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he quite uh, uh gets you know all the connotations of it, but yeah. uh, but it you know there, there's uh,
0: more early '70s rock sound here than I was imagining. I thought it would be sure. more. Like um, you know, ground control to Major Tom, like kind of like concepty, kind of weird. Weird was the word you used to, at the sure. beginning. Yep, oh, and, that's okay. and this is more more traditional is the wrong word, but more traditionally sounding music mm. here than I was uh, imagining. And I think in some ways that makes it more relevant, <laughs> which is weird to say, but like I think there's some good stuff here that that sounds early '70s, but also sounds like Hey, if you want a good example of what is possible in this genre, like here's something that that pushes it in a, a bunch of different ways. So for me, its relevancy actually stands up fairly well.
1: I think it holds up. I and the, some of the songs are so good. You know, um, one thing we've talked about a few times is sometimes the song is good, but the instrumentation has lost it a bit. Um, yeah, and I think uh, I wouldn't necessarily say that. But I think a lot of the songs, you know, if someone covered it in more of today's sound, like could do very well. Uh, So what about the position on Rolling Stone's 500 list? So this is number 35, you know, top uh, 20% of the list or, or 10, sorry, top 10%. Yeah. What do you think?
0: You began by saying you were kind of surprised that it took until 35 to get to Bowie. I I guess I was too, (laughs) although I, I, Maybe because of you know an ignorance to his albums, I just I don't know. I've never necessarily been drawn into a specific album, so I feel really good to finally get a chance to do that and to be pleasantly surprised with it. Um, boy, I feel very similar to how I felt in our very last episode about um, music from Big Pink. There are a number of albums ahead of it on this list, above it, I should say, that. I think it could easily be ahead of, um, yeah. But I'm guessing there'll be a few more albums who come after this that I that I think uh, I feel would deserve to be in front of of this one. So sure. I don't know. I'm fairly content, I guess, with with this place. I would be fine if it got nudged up a few spots. Um, I'd be maybe I, I guess a better way of saying it is I'd be surprised if it was sort of top ten level but anywhere from sort of past 10 down <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I think makes sense to me.
1: The way I felt, not everybody, but the way I felt about the stones, I, I know more of the stones songs and less of their albums. And I think maybe I know that about Bowie. I know a lot of his songs from throughout his career, but not his albums. And maybe that's yeah. a, uh, a feeling that more uh, that a lot of people have. And that's why maybe it's not as high. I, I think I'd be okay with this album anywhere from I don't know if I put it above twenty, but anywhere from twenty to forty, I'd be okay with it. Yeah, I think it's better than some some of the albums we've listened to, and we've talked too about some of these artists. Like the artists themselves, sometimes are so much bigger than their yeah. individual albums. Like you know, and if this was like the greatest artists or bands of all time, like it would be a totally different list. Like David Bowie is just so iconic. And the things he did over his career and the personas he had and the statements he made, not only with his music and lyrics, but with his stage present and costumes and hair and all this stuff was just I think really revolutionary, as we discussed. Um that yeah, it's uh that makes me want to push it higher because of that. yeah. If it's just just as far as the album and the music just insular in and of itself, then yeah, this is fine. 35 is okay. I don't have a problem with it.
0: I discovered an incredible cover of Starman by a band, sort of obscure band, that I really like called Mates of State. Um, they are kind of a pop rock band, but they've got a them. male male and female lead vocalists who kind of co-sing most of the time. And so they've got this really interesting uh, duality in their, in their lead singers and, um, and they cover Starman and it's really good. Um, A band from our uh, high school punk days, maybe college was when I really got into them. The get up kids. Uh, Okay. Yeah. have a cover of uh, suffragette city. That's, It's pretty good. It wasn't one that I was aware of before, but uh, it's worth checking out if you're a fan of that band in particular. Um, Those are the two that come to mind for me this week. Cool. Yeah, we've got a number of Bowie albums on Rolling Stone's greatest albums (laughs) of all time. Um, In addition to this one, uh, Hunky Dory, which is the album just before this, comes in at 108 Uh, number 251 is low at 279 we have Aladdin Sane uh, which follows this one and then at 324 is Station to Station and we should also note that Changes 1 was on the original list at number 425 but when they did the 2012 re-ranking it fell off the list so um, Bowie strikes me as an artist I wouldn't have expected to lose an album in a re-rank um but but maybe that says a little bit about his uh, obscurity or, or maybe niche sound especially with some of his other albums that uh that seemed like a, a an album that could be cut on the re-ranking yeah
1: so we got a few more bowie albums to look forward to that'll be neat but yeah thanks uh thanks for having that conversation with me ben that was fun You bet. That was a, that was a, that was a neat one. That was a little, that was a bit of a different album and I really liked it.
0: Me too. I'm, uh, I'm so glad when we get to these, I think this is what I, I've said this many times, but I think this is what I expected this list to be. If it was an album that I hadn't heard before, that I would somehow fall in love with it when I heard it, because of course it was great. And, uh, (laughs) and it's been a bit of a stumbling block when we've come to (laughs) the albums that I haven't felt that way about, but it's always nice to get ones like these uh, and to discover something new from a band that I've, or a group, or an artist that I've wanted to be checking out and to find out that they are really deserving of being one of the greatest albums of all time. So cool.
1: Yeah. I like
0: what that. do we got coming up next on the Sound Logic podcast?
1: Well, coming up next, we have the second installment on this list by a female performer. Woo-hoo. Number 36 is Tapestry by the wonderful Carol King.
0: I know you picked this one up in vinyl. I'm curious, Did. has the needle touched the record
1: yet? or? Um, it has, and it is oh boy. just delight. it is delightful. And I look <laughs> forward to discussing that with you next time. We want to thank all of you for listening once again, and we hope you'll join us next time. But for now, take care of yourself.
0: Have a happy new year.